Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. One of the best things about this podcast, um, and I would say also since launching the Hollywood Bureau that we did last year, is getting to meet some really great people. Um, it's really exciting to read a book that moves you, that speaks to you, and then get to speak to the author who wrote it. And that is exactly what is happening today. Um, something similar happened with Dara Horn. Um, she wrote, uh, People Love Dead Jews, and then I got to speak to her after that. And I would say kind of up there in terms of importance of books that have been written recently to talk about um, the state of anti-Semitism in the world today and um, how we need to discuss it is a book called uh, Jews Don't Count, uh, written by David Badiel, who is a British comedian, screenwriter, um, and just talented uh, fellow. Um, and it is a pleasure to have David on my uh, podcast today. So thanks so much for joining us, David. Hi, Alison. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. And I would say, besides just your book, which is excellent and lays out so many things in such important ways, um, similar to Dara, like this language of just saying Jews don't count or people love dead Jews, in moments of frustration where I see, you know, the double standard or can't understand why no one cares or is speaking up or how could there be so much progress except for the Jews, um, to have the phrase Jews don't count um, as a way to explain that, um, it feels like a certain amount of power, almost like I have language now to express the frustration I'm feeling. So before we talk yeah. about why you wrote the book, where did that phrase come, Jews don't count? Um, well, uh, I mean, it's a really interesting point you make that my book and Dara's book uh, both got kind of negative titles. And that does say something about how there's a conversation at the moment about um imaging the conversation around jews and around uh how inclusion and representation doesn't include them impacts negatively on jews that the only way to express that a lot of the time is by these kind of quite ironic you know bad sounding titles that can lead to issues like a few people have not understood the title of my book the fact that it's essentially ironic that it's modeling a progressive attitude towards Jews that I'm deconstructing and have said oh my god what is that book and what's it doing on your coffee table and is it basically a terrible you know racist anti-semitic tract of course it isn't that but that's an interesting position that Jews have found themselves in um and so that phrase I think I was using it on Twitter before I wrote the book um mm -hmm. and it you know it it's been quite effective I think I mean even before I think the book came out a couple of times when um, there were very, very kind of clear examples of how what the book's about, which is that within the progressive conversation, within the sort of very heightened conversation about inclusion and representation and defense that we've been having, everyone's been having over the last sort of 20 years, the Jews are low in that conversation, that there seems to be a very high tolerance for anti-Semitism in that conversation. Uh, there are a couple of examples of that that happened in Britain, and I started using the phrase hashtag Jews don't count, uh, meaning they don't count as a proper minority, meaning they are not worthy of attention when something happens that were it to happen to another minority would cause outrage. Um, and that kind of got taken up quite quickly, uh, I noticed. Uh, by whatever you might call kind of Jewish Twitter or whatever. Um, and so then when I was asked to write a book, which I was asked by the Times Literary Supplement 
to write an essay book uh, of uh, non-fiction about whatever I wanted, I thought, oh, I'm going to call it that, and I'm going to write yeah. about this. I'm going to write about the leaving out of Jews from the sort of huge kind of generally really good correction that's gone on about how minorities are thought about. So, um, you know, I think, you know, when we talk about, and I've at this point read kind of like all the major um, anti-Semitism books, Barry Weiss, uh, Dara Horn, yours. Um, and, you know, there's, I think everyone kind of examines um, anti-Semitism on the right, anti-Semitism on the left. Um, you know, we expect white supremacists uh, to just be racist towards all minority groups. And so that's kind of the expected thing. Um, it's the people that are supposed to be including and diverse, leaving the Jews out that um, is hard to understand, hard to wrap your mind around. Now, it's interesting. One of the other things I want to say, besides like meeting great people doing this work now, I want to also point out you're an atheist. I'm an Orthodox Jewish woman. There's a lot that we see eye to eye on in this issue. And I have to tell you, um, it really warms my heart to um, see unity among Jews um, who may, you know, practice differently, believe differently, but find a common ground um, on standing up for our own dignity and safety. Um, because I think that we're strongest as a people when we do stick together and, you know, stand up for each other's rights. So from my perspective, um, anti-Semitism is a spiritual disease. Um, and so it's not mo supposed to make sense. So when I see, you know, the world progressing and, um, you know, doing equality for everyone but the Jews, in my mind, that almost like strengthens my faith. But I'm curious, as someone who is not a believer, how do you explain the exclusion of Jews in places that are literally inclusion spaces? Well, it's very actually my atheism. I've actually written a new book called The God Desire, which is about being a Jewish atheist. But my atheism is quite important, I think, in my argument in Jews Don't Count, because it allows me to make a very, very simple point, which is that anti-Semitism is racism. It's not religious intolerance. Obviously, there, there may be components historically of religious intolerance, but in the present moment, the important thing to recognize is that anti-Semitism is racism. And the way you can demonstrate this, I can demonstrate it, is is I am fun fundamentalist atheist. I 100% do not believe in the existence of God, and that will get me no free passes out of Auschwitz. Uh, okay. Not only the Nazis, I can promise you those guys with torches chanting, the Jews will not replace us. They would not okay. ask me if I kept kosher before setting light to my house. They're not interested in, my, in what elements of faith or tradition I might have. They're interested only in what they see as an element of blood, Right, which is why anti-Semitism is racism. It's an accident of birth that we all share, whether or not we believe in it. We are just our parents or have made us Jewish. And as a result, we are hated by some people who, who think about that. Now, the reason why the left fail to recognize that sometimes is that I think that um, Jews pre present a complex type of vulnerability for the left, because that's what the left are looking for. They're looking for what's the vulnerable group that we can ally with. And Jews, of course, and this is a racist thing, but not often recognized as such, are the only minority group that are troped, that are stereotyped as being associated with power uh, and richness, like all other minority groups, really, and often in quite patronizing ways, not always true, but they are sort of associated with oppression. They're associated with the idea that this minority group is always punched down to. Mm -hmm. And yet anti-Semitism, because of the association of Jews with power and privilege and wealth, it can seem to the people being anti-Semitic, they are punching up. Kanye West is perhaps a brilliant example. And yet when Kanye talks about, I know he's recently rescinded, but let's forget his absurd rescinding for the moment about 21. And then it'll change next week. <laughs> yeah, it'll change next week. Uh, all the other stuff he said is all about 
they control me, they keep me down, I'm not allowed to say this, blah, blah, blah. And what that means is, is that he's talking about this ultra powerful, in his mind, group of people who somehow or other, you know, control the discourse and control the money and et cetera, et cetera. And that's where I think the left get, if, if you like, confused. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I think they find it hard to imagine Jews as a vulnerable community. And what's weird about that is, of course, and, you know, it's slightly different in America, I think, because uh, in Europe, people like me, you know, are very close to genocide. My mother was born in Nazi Germany, not my great, great, great grandmother. Not, my mother was born in Nazi Germany. Most of my family was murdered. And thus, the notion that Jews are somehow powerful and not a vulnerable community is really absurd, you know, because of the, the nearness of that. Uh, and yet that's quickly, quickly kind of forgotten by people who say, well, the Jews are fine. You know, they're fine. They're rich. They control stuff. We don't have to really bother about allying with them, even as we see, you know, hate crime against Jews going up and uh, conspiracy theory on the Internet, marking Jews down as somehow controlling and being behind the world's evil going up and up and up. You know, it's a dangerous time for Jews. And yet, the historical loop that leads to that is very quickly forgotten. Totally. You bring out some points that are just, I mean, the book is so incredible um, and everyone should go out and get a copy of it. There are some issues that you confront that I didn't always have an answer to. Um, number one, um, you state that the, I believe it's the median income of Indian Americans is higher than Jewish Americans. Did I get that statistic correct? Uh, no, I think I say, uh, you know, it's based on data that is probably already okay. out of date because the book's two years old. But I, I, to some extent, the issue with money, right, is that, like, as far as I'm concerned, it's not that important anyway, because, like, right. I'm happy to say my grandparents were wealthy in Germany. Right. They had a brick factory, but, you know, within a year of Hitler coming to power, that had gone. And within five years, they were running for their lives and most of their family had been killed. So, uh, yeah. you know, number one. So that was my other say, point. Yeah, my second point is that it, just because you have money now doesn't mean you can't lose it. And we have you sort of state, I think yeah. that's sort of a question that a lot of Jews don't know how to answer for themselves. If they are currently in a situation where they are more financially stable or secure, um, that might feel like something invincible to the outside world. But you have to just look back yeah. at not so distant history to see how. Well, I think it's very important just to say out loud, stop deciding that because in your mind, this progressive in mind Jews are kind of wealthy that therefore they are invulnerable and particularly invulnerable to racism because the history of Jews shows that constantly whatever wealth they may have accrued is taken away from them and violently taken away from them and also it doesn't apply to any other minority so to come back what you were saying uh, I saw one statistic which I hope is correct that globally the um, religious group that has the most millionaires is Hindu right and mm -hmm. No one would say, I really hope they wouldn't say, therefore, yeah. Hindus are associated with money. And at some point, we can like get envious about that and smash the doors down of the Hindu houses and take their money away. Because that's the point, by the way, about the whole money thing. A lot of people don't like Joe Rogan, as you'll know, uh, about a month ago, he said, of course, Jews are into money. Saying Jews are into money is like saying Italians are into pizza. Now, the problem with that is history because Italians have never been genocided because they like pepperoni on dough, yeah. right? But Jews throughout history have been exiled, discriminated against and murdered because people think they control money. And that's an unbelievably important distinction that is somehow not made when people think it's just true that Jews are kind of, you know, into money. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of feedback have you gotten from the book? 
Um, mainly good, actually. I mean, obviously some horrific stuff. Obviously, we live in the, on the internet, and on the internet, I get trolled and I get you know horrific, uh, you know, anger and rage. And it's actually one of the things that you'll know as well, which is standing up for Jewish things for Jews. Uh, on the internet gets a particular type of aggressive pushback. I mean, obviously all minorities may get this, standing up for yourself, but a particular type of rage comes with uh, you saying, actually, I think this is anti-Semitic because it's a sense in which that, like, at, some, at times it feels like you don't have the right to say this because Jews are so okay that we can't allow Jews to say this. It's taking away the airspace from other minorities, and I don't believe that at all because I think there should be a limitless space to talk about discrimination and, and racism and whatever so I get a bit of that but yeah. on the whole I mean loads and loads of firstly loads of Jews here in this country and now in America and a few other places where it's come out have said this thing that you've kind of said which is oh there was a kind of thing that we couldn't articulate particularly around like what progressive spaces were saying or not saying about Jews uh, and you have sort of articulated Sarah Silverman in the documentary that I made about it which is out on channel four in Britain said uh, she used a slightly unfortunate phrase and then made a joke about it, which is very Sarah, of saying it was like a gas in the air. And you kind of made it solid. You sort of said, this is this is what it is. So mm -hmm. I've got that. Or almost more uh, satisfying than that is some progressive people, it has kind of changed their minds. So I had one guy who wrote to me on Twitter who said, oh, I realise something now, which I hadn't realised before, which is that anti-Semitism is the racism that slips past you. And mm -hmm. I think that's true. I think... To be fair to the various good people who may have been neglecting anti-Semitism, is anti-Semitism is a more complex form of racism and discrimination than maybe other types. It is maybe harder to see how it's working. It's harder maybe for some people to understand how associating Jews with money is not a compliment, but a very dangerous thing to do. And so I guess if my book is a primer to like, here's how to spot when you are being unconsciously anti-Semitic, maybe, then that's good if that's happening. So on the whole, it's been, I think the dial, it's helped to shift the dial of it on the conversation. So I want to talk about two things that, you know, uh, stuck out for me. And even when we first connected, you knew that Israel was going to be one thing. You kind of guessed that for me since yeah. uh, not in a Tory car to kind of Orthodox Jew. The other thing that I wanted to clarify was, um, it's one word that you use to describe the Talmud, which it's so interesting because obviously words have different meanings, like, first of all, in different contexts, even like different definitions of the same word. But certainly in the U.S. versus the U.K., words have different meanings. And I remember when I read you were just sort of quoting the Talmud just in passing about something um, and you used the word archaic. And I saw that and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is a book about, you know, fighting anti-Semitism. And here this Jewish man is calling our laws outdated um, with sort of a, a negative uh, connotation to it. When I asked you about this, you explained that in the UK, the word archaic simply means old. Correct? Yeah, well, it, I think it also means that in America as well. I mean, this this I mean, in context, obviously, archaic can, can be something negative. If you're talking about something that is purely contemporary, right? So if you're mm. talking about I don't know a pop a pop song, uh, and you say, "Oh, it's archaic," meaning it's out of date, then that's I guess a negative thing. But I'm talking about something that was codified many many years ago, the Talmud, uh, and I'm therefore in Britain. I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that the rules and regulations that are being discussed in the Talmud are archaic. They come from a very long time ago, and in fact, that's part of its power, in my opinion. But I mean. I mean, I'm talking about it 
Right. I just, in case anyone noticed this and thought there was like any sort of judgment, like sort of laid over it, I did look at a UK uh, dictionary definition and a US one. And there for us, we maybe we just don't like older things in the US because we're a newer country and you have a respect for the old. But um, I was really happy that I clarified that point because. Um, you know, and, and something we've discussed too, sometimes there is a judgment from uh, one type of Jew to another, obviously in every direction, but, you know, something that I think you're aware of as well is that there can be this internalized hatred that Jews carry, where mm -hmm. if someone is a more kind of um, outwardly um, observing or, you know, uh, seen to be a Jewish type of person, there can be a negativity there where they would rather um, a Jew be less Jewish. Um, anything you want, want to say sort of- no, on I, That's topic? interesting. That's really interesting, Alison, because actually I'm very, very against that, even though I'm an atheist. So yeah. uh, one, I didn't really mention this when you were asking about the book, but one thing the book really brought out was how much Jewish shame exists. So I've, lots and lots of Jewish people, both young and old, have written to me to say they are ashamed about being Jewish. They don't tell people they're Jewish. They don't wear any outs or symbols of being Jewish. I mean, I'm, I'm not wearing it now, but I wear a mug in David from time to time, not because I'm religious, but because I am militantly unashamed about being Jewish. But lots of people do carry this weird internalized shame about being Jewish but it's really complicated because I think that like I when I see very very religious Jews what I think is that um I have n no connection to them uh, sort of spiritually I don't but I do have a cultural connection to them and so what uh people again don't understand is that when those people are under threat which they are or indeed when 11 Jews are massacred in Pittsburgh in 2018 at a synagogue that is again nothing to do with religion the people right. attacking them are attacking them because they're visibly jewish yeah right and and they could be wearing no religious symbols but just carrying a thing that says i'm jewish really that's yeah. why they're attacking them and it's, again, it's very important people understand that that's a racist attack even if it happens to a religiously dressed person which is a good segue to my other question, which is sort of the last controversial piece. And we obviously have to touch at the Israel part of your book. So I would say you say that you don't feel any connection to Israel, you know, as a, a country. And I mean, even for someone like me who is a Zionist, um, I'm totally not connected to the politics of Israel. To be honest, I can't even figure out what is going on. I really keep trying to get the updates about what's going on. Even It's this quite hard at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I don't really understand what's going on at the moment. But like there's still like they are our kin by blood like i remember the first time that i went to israel and growing up as like the only jewish kid in my only jewish girl in my public school grade to be there and to know that like the taxi driver and like the waiter and just kind of everyone around was somehow like distantly related to me and i was not religious when i went there either but i felt like um i'm somehow with like extended family um so in your book you say that sort of israel is a non-issue um, but is there nothing that you well, feel? Let me, like let me explain certain things there. Uh, so number one, the number one reason I say that is sort of intellectual, actually, rather than emotional. I mean, do, I do, do feel nothing like the connection that some Jews feel towards Israel emotionally. That is just true. Okay. Um, I feel much more connected to British and American Jews than I do to Israeli Jews who feel like foreigners to me. Right. And, and it's quite important to say that in a way, because all other minorities who have many countries that might be connected to them religiously are allowed to say, you know, yeah. a British Egyptian or a British Muslim who lives in Britain is allowed to say these, these are foreign countries. And when I'm talking about Islamophobia, which they might want to talk about, 
I don't have to spend all my time explaining that I'm not connected to what's going on in Iran or what's yeah. going on in Saudi Arabia. But but Jews have this weird thing because well, there's only one country that there's this immense focus on it. And I have noticed, of course, and you'll know the book mentions this, that if I want to talk about anti-Semitism, the left continue to come at me with this what about Israel thing. You know, can you you first got to put your cards on the table and denounce Israel. And I just say, look, I've got no connection with that country or no more connection with that country than a British Muslim might have with the various countries that are Muslim or, you know, in the Middle East or whatever. Why do I have to sort of disentangle it first? And that's my main point. But it is also kind of true. It's kind of true that, I mean, as I watch it now happening, I think mm, I don't like, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of crazy. And I don't really feel massively like I need to get involved with it. I mean, this is on both sides of the spectrum, by the way. There's like but let's say let's say a Jew is killed. Let's say a Jew is killed in Israel. Do, do you feel that yeah. as like yeah? Did you feel what that as feel? a section of I'm saying it, let's say you see like a, a child has been run over by a terror. Well, it depends how that depends on the context, right? So if there's an a straightforwardly anti-Semitic attack anywhere in the world. And that, by the way, is happening in Paris. It's happening yeah. in America. It's happening in London. Yeah, you know, everything I talk about relates to that. Yeah. In Israel, um, it might relate to that, or it might be it's an IDF soldier in a kind of war situation, in which case it relates to it less, to be honest right. with you, because that's a kind of geopolitical situation that I think isn't that much to do with what I'm talking about, which is right. a particular type of, you know, way of thinking about Jews that allows them to be attacked by anti-Semites. Um, so I don't necessarily, but I will. Yeah, if I if I see uh, what I consider to be, you know, I, it's complicated because I think there's unquestionably the case that types of anti-Zionism spill over into anti-Semitism. Not all of it, but some of it clearly does. I have a particular trick, if you want to know how how I disentangle it, and I say look for the ancient trope. So, for example, and this is in the American edition of the book. It's not in the British edition of the book. This because I wrote the American edition later. There was a rally in Hyde Park in London uh, in support of Palestinians in, I think, 2021. And someone was carrying a placard with a picture of Jesus on it, on the cross. And it said, don't let them do it again. And that yes. is clearly anti-Semitic. It's clearly anti-Semitic because, you know, the state of Israel, as we understand it today, did not exist in AD 33. And they were not cheering for Barabbas. Right? Those, so that means Jews. When mm -hmm. that phrase, don't let them do it again, it means Jews. And that happens all the time. And that... I am totally, you know, on team, let's call this out, right? yeah. because it's clear to me that that's anti-Semitism. By the way, I think that that's a brilliant, you know, sort of a litmus test. I would add to it that, um, you know, Israelis being described as bloodthirsty baby killers harkens back to blood libels. And yeah, ever. Yeah. And, and so... What was interesting is that there was this like national like hate a Jew day a few weeks ago in the U.S. I'm not sure if you caught that. Um, it was sort of like they're not I even they're not even protesting a certain political position, just the fact that like, we're still here. And thankfully, nothing happened uh, over that, you know, it happened to be a Shabbat when uh, it was called for. But then a few hours later, there was like a couple of Jewish kids that were just like run over in Israel. And it was like, okay, so, um, so the white supremacist angle didn't like, you know, kill any Jews on National Hate of Jew Day in the US. But a few hours later, kids just walking on the street. Um, and again, I'm not trying to uh, simplify um, complicated geopolitics, but also they were just children that were killed for the crime yeah. of the Jews. Um, well, obviously that's obviously that, that that's terrible. Uh, I mean, actually, just just as a sidebar, 
I saw that was happening and I did I did one tweet about it, but I was also quite keen not to amplify it because it also felt to me like that hated you day. I didn't know that it was really a thing. Uh, it felt to me like if we give this too much air, then someone will get hurt. Whereas yeah. it kind of maybe it's just three or four crazy far right idiots yeah. trying to start something that isn't real. And that is what it turned out. Right. So we need to be careful about that because I think it's a very real thing, anti-Semitism. And the, the 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 dance that is happening is the far right are increasing and they're continuing to hate and the left are being negligent. The, 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 you know, the sanctuary that we might feel is on the progressive left isn't really there for us. So we need to be careful within that exactly what's going on and how we point to something. And sometimes it's clear something terrible is happening towards Jews on the far right, like when Jews get massacred. And sometimes it's clear the left don't care. And that's what we need to keep pointing to. But I felt that particular hated Jew day was kind of like, yeah, these are just some crazies and we shouldn't give it the time of day. I hear you. No. And thankfully it amounts to nothing. We've got about three minutes left. Want to try to like wrap up with some final thoughts here. You know, it's one thing if Jews are not, you know, kind of uh, included in like sensitivity trainings and then there's a microaggression at work and no one's aware of it. Um, you know, an article that we both saw recently, you posted about it, is this idea of the vanishing Jew, of Jews sort of, we had too big of a slice, we took too much, and now we have to kind of be decreased and cut down to size. Um, the more that I learn about pre-war uh, Germany, um, this trend is actually terrifying to me. Um, and it this time it feels like it's being done as a mitzvah because inclusion and diversity is great. We can all agree to that. But the exclusion of like a group that's been excluded for being a minority and other times now being excluded for not being a minority. Any sort of thoughts on on that state? Yeah, well, the, the key element of it is the over-representation of Jews in, in, in various places is kind of a myth because it's all about like noticing, right? Like the noticing is kind of like, well, what are you noticing here? When Dave Chappelle says, like, you know, oh, there's really a lot of them. What you've gone to Hollywood and you've seen one or two Jewish names, and that's enough for you to think that they are controlling, you know. Uh, and and I'm like, you know, it, we shouldn't always go to Germany, not just for example, but I'm going to go, uh, which is that in the 30s uh, or in the 20s, I believe, in the 20s, um, Germans, ordinary Germans, thought that Jews completely controlled banking. They thought that Jews were completely in control of banking. The actual statistics were that there were one to two percent of Jews in banking in Germany in the 1920s. What they will have been is noticed by the few people who like want to notice that stuff. And then it will be spread that there are many Jews involved in banking and, and people want to believe that they want to believe that. And then what the progressive left tend to do when they're correcting, which they are doing, and some of that correction is good, but Jews get folded in to whiteness. That's what happens. Is so when people say, "Oh, you know, we need more diverse faces." Yeah, we do, but Jews are diverse, and that's not recognised. So you know, I wrote this article about the terrible Netflix film "You People." What you notice in "You People" is that, uh, which is about um, you know a black uh, woman and a, and a Jewish guy getting together, is that all the trouble about that? It's all about Jews being white and rich. And, and the fact that the that the Eddie Murphy, the black guy, is anti-Semitic is kind of not a problem in that movie. And right. the apologies that happen at the end of it is just the, the Jewish people apologising for being white and rich. And he just has to apologise for not recognising what a nice guy Jonah Hill was. Right. And that's because there is this constant assumption that Jews basically 
can represent white people. I mean, I use this phrase in the book, Schrodinger's white. So without getting into the physics of that too, in too complicated a way, what I mean is that Jews are white or non-white, depending on the politics of the observer. The far right yeah. have always thought the Jews were non-white. The left now sometimes seem to see Jews as kind of super white. And that is a real problem. And that's what leads to this erasure that you're talking about. Fascinating stuff. Brilliantly argued. Jews don't count by David Badiel. Um, thank you for. Well, I have to say it's Badiel. Alison. Oh, oh, sorry. Badiel. David Badiel. Sorry. It's my American accent yeah. that's watching everything. Badiel. David Badiel. No okay. I've been just saying it wrong in my head. David Badiel. Um, it's not just um, that it's argued cogently. Um, it's that you have the moral courage to say it. Um, and there's there's no form of being intellectual smart that gives someone courage. That's just something that you have to have within. So thank you for being uh, a strong advocate for our people. Um, we wish you continued success in continuing to use your, your strong and proud voice to stand up for Jews everywhere. Thank you. And, and, and same to you, Alison. Same to you for what you're doing with you in the city. It's great, you know. Uh, uh, and you you yourself have enormous moral courage. Thank you so much. Um, be well, and thank you so much for watching. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.